everybody. This is Stephanie Krupsack with the Pure Bond Living Podcast, Women in Wellness. With me today, I have Sonia Mukherjee, a functional medicine physician assistant clinical liaison that specializes in bioidentical hormone replacement therapy, integrative management of mood disorders, gut health, immune optimization, and more. So thanks so much for being here today. Thanks for having me, Stephanie. So let's get started with a fun question of how we first met. Yeah, so we met through common friends. I have a very early memory of with you playing laser tag at our friend's birthday party. <laughs> um, yeah, so I think we somehow just got introduced through common friends living in Denver. Yeah, I know. And that was back in 2014, so quite a while ago. <laughs> oh, crazy. I know, time flies. Yeah. Um, yeah, we've done fun, like, hiking trips and things since, so it's been great. You've been to Wisconsin, so you'll have to come back very soon. <laughs> I would love to in the summer, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so tell us a little bit more about bioidentical hormone replacement therapy. I know it's kind of a mouthful, but just kind of explain about what you do with that and how that kind of benefits people. Sure. So bioidentical hormones just means hormones that are identical in molecular structure to the hormones that humans naturally make. So it's not a drug or synthetic substance. The body doesn't recognize it as anything foreign. It's just optimizing your own hormone levels to more youthful and optimal levels. So if you think about hormones, thyroid hormone, testosterone, estrogen, progesterone, all these hormones are crucial to function all over the body, right? We've got receptors for thyroid hormone in every cell of our body. We've got receptors for estrogen, testosterone, all over our brains, our blood vessels. So they're not just sex hormones. They affect our brain function. They affect our cardiovascular health. And unfortunately, the way humans are designed, as we get older, our hormone levels tend to drop. And that can create a lot of the symptoms of getting older, a lot of fatigue, loss of muscle mass, loss of libido, um, brain fog, issues with mood, depression, anxiety. And of course, you know, the classic scenario is, is a woman going through menopause who's having hot flashes and night sweats, and it really interferes with daily function. So by replacing those hormones to more optimal levels, you can help to reduce a lot of those symptoms without needing to use synthetic pharmaceutical drugs. Okay. So do you want to explain a little bit more about where these like hormones come from? So if it's not a you know, man-made type of drug? Compounding pharmacies, and they're, they're plant-based. So usually um, like yams mm -hmm. are, are a common source of the molecule, but the compounding pharmacies are able to take these plant-based molecules and modify them to be identical to the human hormones. So they're not a pharmaceutical approved drug. It's not something that the pharmaceutical industry can patent because they are bioidentical. So it's kind of a, a whole different field of medicine that doesn't get enough attention, but has so much great data and efficacy and really changes people's lives. Wow. That's really interesting that it's, you know, identical, but yet it's a plant-based compound. It's very, very fascinating. Um, and you said it's not something that is like FDA approved, for example? It's not because FDA approval requires huge randomized controlled trials, which really only the pharmaceutical companies have money to conduct those kind of studies. And pharmaceutical companies don't really have much incentive to look at bioidentical hormones because they can't patent them. So mm -hmm. um, the 
the FDA approved hormones that have been on the market were synthetic hormones. If you've heard of like Premarin or Prempro, those are actually estrogen derived from horses and were shown to have a lot of harmful side effects because they're not exactly bioidentical. So even though they mimic estrogen in the human body in certain ways, they also have unintended effects because they only bind to certain receptors and not others. So it gets complicated getting into the molecular biology of it. But the point is the bioidentical hormones are much safer than the synthetic hormones. Yeah. I mean, that definitely sounds like it. It's really interesting. Yeah. If you're putting a four or like another animal's hormones into your body, that doesn't seem to be as <laughs> strategic as, you know, something that's, you know, more relatable. Right. Um, so if these hormones are, you know, created from plants, does that mean in a sense too, that with like a good diet, eating these, you know, plants, these fruits and vegetables, it kind of does the same thing at like a lower amount or... I mean, I think a, a good diet is absolutely crucial to health and should not be underestimated in any way. And a lot of symptoms can be helped with with dietary changes, but it wouldn't be the equivalent of effect of bioidentical hormones. Like eating a lot of yams wouldn't give you more estrogen and progesterone because the, the compounding pharmacies go through a really complex mechanism that I'm not aware of. It would be great to chat with a compounding pharmacist about how they actually do this. Manipulating the molecule to actually be human estrogen or human testosterone. If you look at the chemical structure of it, it's going to be identical. So that wouldn't occur in nature without human manipulation. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's really interesting. So, and how do you get this therapy? Is it like an injection or? There's a lot of different methods. Um, the safest way to do estrogen, for example, is transdermal. So if okay. you take estrogen orally, it can actually increase clotting factors in your liver. So increase blood clotting, which is why when you take the birth control pill, for example, there's a, that black box warning risk of stroke okay. uh, can cause clotting. So if you do estrogen through the skin transdermally, it bypasses that liver metabolism and doesn't have that same effect on clotting factors. So you can apply a cream. There's also something called pellets. And pellets are the bioidentical hormones compounded into almost like a tiny grain of rice that's inserted um, usually into the fatty area of the hip, right under the skin into the subcutaneous fat in a minor procedure that we do at the office all the time. It takes less than 10 minutes. You make a tiny little three millimeter incision, insert the pellets in. You don't need a stitch or anything. It just heals right back up in a couple of days. And that can actually give you continuous delivery of both estrogen and testosterone into your system for about um, four months in women is how long it lasts, six months in men. And in men, we're doing testosterone only. So that is the most popular way of doing it is the pellets. And that my patients feel the most benefit as far as mood and energy and um, improvement in all their symptoms with that option. Yeah. There's oh. some hormones that you can do orally. Progesterone is great orally. So it really depends on the hormone. But yeah, it's a combination of oral, transdermal, pellets, sublingual also exists. Mm -hmm. Okay. Wow, that's really interesting. And I know, I guess from my CBD background, the whole transdermal is that it has to go through the barriers of your skin to get to your body. So it's interesting. And then the pellets, I had not heard of that one before. 
Yeah, it's a really cool option that's out there because the problem with the creams is that most people forget to apply it every day so they don't feel the benefit. Whereas with the pellets, you come in once every four to six months for the procedure and it keeps your blood levels really steady for that whole duration. So people really notice the benefit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And in the conjunction with this hormone therapy, you mentioned that you do management of mood disorders. So because I know that yeah, if you, you have off balance hormones, like even like a woman, her monthly cycle, if it's off balance, you might become moody or so is that just another thing or another benefit of doing this type of um, hormone replacement therapy? Absolutely. I've been able to get so many people off of their antidepressants with getting their hormones optimized. Wow. Underlying causes of depression can be low thyroid. If your thyroid hormones are are low, you're going to feel lethargic, sluggish, not motivated, depressed. Um, As you mentioned with the female menstrual cycle, there's a lot of hormonal fluctuations that occur. A lot of women in their 30s, 40s who aren't yet in menopause start declining progesterone production. So they have menopausal levels of progesterone, even though they're still making estrogen. And that can make PMS symptoms really bad as far as mood would be anxiety, insomnia, tearfulness. It can also create some of the other symptoms of PMS, such as bloating, painful and heavy periods. So optimizing their progesterone can really help to make the whole menstrual cycle much more tolerable. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. And another aspect of this type of therapy, you talk about helping with autoimmune disorders. You want to touch more upon that? Um, so with autoimmune, the, that's a little separate than the bioidentical hormones, but there's a lot of data. So there, there is definitely hormonal relation to autoimmune disorders, specifically, more specifically with cortisol. So making sure your cortisol response is in a healthy cycle, a lot of people end up with dysregulated cortisol response. Cortisol is supposed to be really high in the morning, and, and that's our stress hormone, right? So that's the hormone that gives us the energy to get up during the day, in the morning, get started with our day. If we're in a stressful situation, cortisol will spike really high to give us the energy to fight or flight or do whatever is needed to do for from a survival perspective. But with chronic stress, cortisol can get dysregulated where it's running too high during the day, running too high at night, causing insomnia, or it can drop really low, causing more adrenal fatigue and other sorts of difficulties. So a lot of people that have dealt with a lot of stress are on different planes of that spectrum. And that is actually really related to autoimmunity because our body is designed to prevent autoimmunity from occurring. Autoimmunity is our immune system cells turning against our own tissues. And we do have a feedback process that identifies those kind of rogue immune cells and gets rid of them. But if you're not sleeping properly, if you're not, if you're under chronic stress, that's a huge factor in autoimmunity developing, as is diet. So if you're eating foods that are causing leaky gut or increased intestinal permeability, those foods, gluten, dairy being two of the biggest offenders, can leak into your bloodstream and your immune system mounts an attack against those proteins and those foods. And those antibodies that your immune system develops can then go attack your own tissues. 
So there's a lot of lifestyle factors that go into autoimmunity, as well as nutrition. Um, Vitamin D, for example, I test all my patients' vitamin D levels, and I would say 95% are extremely low, like well below the normal lab range and so far below the optimal range. And if you don't have enough vitamin D in your blood, your immune system is more likely to go into autoimmune mode. So there's a lot of different factors that go into it. And that's a big part of my practice, especially with autoimmune disorders, is is addressing all those factors and trying to heal it from the underlying cause. Because in mainstream medicine, autoimmunity is treated with immune suppressants, which have terrible side effects, make you uh, more prone to getting other infections. So it's really not a great solution. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Um, Yeah, especially I'm sure the vitamin D levels too. I mean, not just sunshine, but from food as well. And if you're, you know, working in office every day, you're probably limiting the amounts you should be getting. (laughs) So yeah, vitamin D is one of those things that it is hard to get from food. You can find vitamin D in like cold water, wild caught fish. Um, Cod liver oil has vitamin D, wild caught salmon has some vitamin D, but there's not a lot of food sources of vitamin D and it is mostly from the sun. And if you're wearing sunscreen or if you're, you know, wearing long sleeves, you're not getting absorption. So it's one that people tend to be really deficient in and most of mainstream medicine doesn't pay enough attention to it. It has so many studies showing the importance and especially right now with COVID-19 going around low vitamin D is associated with increased risk of respiratory infections. So it's Uh a really important supplement to be taking if your levels are low. Okay. And are you in favor of prescribing, you know, vitamin D pills or would you prefer to have somebody just go outside for a half hour? I recommend the supplements very often just because in the winter, you know, it's dark by five o'clock, people aren't getting enough sun. In the summer, I think most, if you're outside getting sun, you can back off on the supplementation, but in Mm -hmm. colder, darker months, it's really important to, to supplement. Are there any certain brands that you really like? Because I know that they're, you know, different supplements they say are, you know, more pure than others actually are, you know, beneficial. Um, Are there any off the top of your head that you'd recommend? Vitamin D, I see pretty good results with it across the board. It's not one of the ones where the brand is that important. There are a lot of studies that show administering it with K2 is best because the K2 helps to activate vitamin D to keep the calcium in our bones, which is where we want it, not in our bloodstream. So that combination is a good one to look for, vitamin D3 and K2. Okay, perfect. I did not know that either. D3, K2. Okay. Um, do you want to talk a little bit more about your experience helping, um, with herbal medicine? Yeah, we use a lot of herbal medicine in our practice that there's, especially right now with the virus going around, there are so many plant-based antivirals that people don't even know about that are extremely effective. You know, I, I work in a setting where I, I, I see primary care patients. Um, we approach it with a functional and integrative medicine approach, but, you know, I'm constantly having people come to me who have the cold or the flu or a cough or a sore throat. And with getting my supplements optimized, I haven't gotten sick in, in the last couple of years. So it can make a huge difference. Um, there's not a lot of FDA approved antivirals on the market, but there's a lot of plant-based antivirals that can really help with prevention, um, as well as a, a whole slew of other conditions. But right now, um, there's 
a lot of emphasis on the plant-based antivirals. So I've been recommending a lot of those to my patients and it absolutely works. Mm-hmm. Are there any that- interrupt, but if you think about our pharmaceutical medications, antibiotics, the couple of antivirals that are FDA approved, they're all derived from plant molecules originally, you know, like mm-hmm. penicillin is, was developed from a mold basically. So that's, that is the origin of most of our medication anyway. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. I know right now during COVID, yeah, everybody's like trying to, you know, hype up on the vitamin C and just, you know, stay healthy. What are some herbal antivirals that you'd recommend for those that are not really familiar with the kind of herbal medicine realm? Sure. So definitely vitamin C, vitamin D daily. I would recommend about 5,000 each of of vitamin C, vitamin D. With the vitamin D, you'd want to have your levels checked first. Um, Vitamin C is water soluble, so you can safely take 5,000 throughout the day. As far as adding on some antivirals, so one of my favorites is Virographis. Um, So it's actually called Andrographis, and it basically inhibits the virus from being able to enter your cells. It goes into a really complicated pathway called the furin molecular pathway, but that one is extremely effective. Um, A lot of herbs can be really effective, like rosemary, licorice, all these plants basically have their their own antivirals and antibiotics for their own protection, right? So that's a great source to find these compounds. So I would say using taking rosemary, licorice, and virographis is a really safe and effective way to prevent viruses from being able to replicate in your body. Very great. Um, Yeah. And we can add links to some of those items for people to, to find. Um, And like rosemary and licorice, for example, do you steep it in like a tea or what form do you take in or in a pill form? You could do it either way. Um, The andrographis comes in a, in a pill form. Um, I personally use rosemary a lot in my cooking. Um, but yeah, probably the most consistent way would be to get a capsule form so that your your dosage is consistent. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense too. Yeah, cooking with rosemary is great. So even rosemary oil I like to do. Yeah. You know, chili or a, a pasta sauce, things like yeah, that. It's a nice fragrance and flavor. Mm-hmm, definitely. You've been growing it on your – now you can grow it on your patio this time of year. <laughs> Have a little herb garden. <laughs> I'm growing some rosemary, some basil. I actually started a garden, I think – it's such a wonderful thing to invest your time into, especially when people are staying at home more to grow your own food is absolutely liberating and totally worth it. Yes. And then you're getting more vitamin D because you're outside pulling weeds to maintain your garden, right? (laughs) That's a (laughs) win-win. Good point. Definitely. So I know telehealth is such a huge form of healthcare right now. And do you want to talk a little bit more about that, how you've seen it kind of develop? And maybe also, you know, with your, um, your work right now, if, you know, anybody from like any state, like you're in Denver, maybe somebody from Milwaukee or another location could reach out to you and work with you because of telehealth. Um, yeah. So just if you want to share more about that. Yeah. Telehealth has been a, a lifesaver during this time when we're trying to social distance and avoid unnecessary contact with other people. We can accomplish so much with, with a telehealth meeting. So usually in my practice, we'll see patients in person for their initial visit. Although right now we are also seeing new patients um, via telehealth. And you can basically, use, you know, it's like a Zoom call. You see each other face to face. I can order labs. I can prescribe medications. I can recommend supplements. So 
And even with the physical exam, we can do certain parts of the physical exam, but that would be the one piece that we can't do as thoroughly with telehealth. But for the type of medicine I do, which is a, a lot of work with, you know, lifestyle and nutrition and hormones, I can accomplish pretty much everything I do via telehealth. And it's it's a great option. I think a lot of patients are not aware that it's out there as an option, or they feel that the level of care is inferior, but it's, it's really not. And I think with the new normal that's coming up, telehealth is going to be a really important part of offering medical care without putting patients at risk. Mm-hmm. Definitely. And with telehealth, like for example, you mentioned, you know, before you prescribe different vitamins, you want to see what people's levels are naturally. How do you test for that? So if you order like a lab kit, um, is it like a finger prick or how would somebody go about doing that if you send them a lab? Well, there's so many different lab companies out there and usually it's a full blood draw and they can just take the requisition that the lab orders that I put in to that local blood draw center. So you know, okay. everyone's got a lab core or a quest near them. There's some other um, specialty functional medicine labs that we use that have their own lab centers. So they can just take the orders and, and get it done and then I'll get the results. Perfect. Yeah. I know I actually did that when I lived in Denver. It was a company in Longmont where they sent me like the box of vials in the mail and I just went to the, yeah, the local blood center, had my blood drawn, shipped it in. And there's actually for food allergies. So they sent me like a whole panel back looking at my blood's reactivity to different food. It's really interesting. It was really easy. So um, it's good to see that that's kind of becoming more more common. So yeah. something I had done six years ago that now is more of like an everyday thing. Um, yeah, great to hear. Do you want to touch a little bit briefly on regenerative medicine? I know we, we talked about this. So it's probably going to be a whole other episode, but <laughs> maybe just touch on that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Regenerative medicine is a really exciting and progressive new field in medicine. Um, People classically think of it as stem cells. So stem cells are a type of cell that can differentiate into basically wherever you place it or or wherever it needs to go. Um, They're like little um, baby cells that kind of have their own intelligence and know how to grow into whatever cell is needed. So there's a lot of different applications for it. It's used in aesthetics to help with hair and skin. There are some really promising studies coming out with umbilical cord blood, which is the most common source of stem cells for for COVID-19 patients that are on ventilators. That's showing really good efficacy, and the FDA is actually evaluating it right now. Okay. There's also PRP, which is platelet-rich plasma, which you can just do from a patient's own blood. It's a You just draw their own blood, and you spin it down with a special centrifuge to elucidate the platelet-rich plasma, and that's been being used for a while now, if you've ever heard of the vampire facial, the the Kardashians made it kind of popular. So <laughs> that's basically injecting PRP into into your own skin, and it it just rejuvenates your skin. So the other really effective application of, of regenerative medicine is with joints. So people who have arthritis, you know, um, joint cartilage has worn down. Stem cells can have an amazing regenerative effect on. Uh, rejuvenating that joint cartilage. So the applications are endless. It's it's a new and progressive field. We still don't have a lot of data on it, but it's very exciting and I'm I'm happy to be able to play with it a little bit in my practice. Mm-hmm. That's really great. And have you personally tried anything in the regenerative field, like on yourself? I have not. 
like, you know, as I get older and my hair thin, I would definitely do some, some hair, <laughs> hair treatment. <laughs> We're still young, right? <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, it's interesting. Yeah, it's definitely something I'm, I'm all for too, if it can help. So yeah. <laughs> so what are some of the other initiatives that you're working on? Um, another thing that I'm looking at is incorporating something called Lean MD into my practice. I'm very passionate about diet and lifestyle and exercise really being the foundations of health. Um, you know, pharmaceutical medications are out there and they have their place, but if you're not putting the right food in your body, food is medicine and food is information. So your health and longevity, what diseases you develop, yes, there's a genetic aspect, but food is really what determines what turns certain genes on and off. And that's the most powerful thing you could do for long-term health. Um, as well as, of course, exercise, getting outside. I mean, that has, uh, exercise basically is more effective than most antidepressants on the market. Um, so the Lean MD incorporates those important lifestyle factors along with using pharmaceutical medications when necessary for weight loss. Um, I think a lot of the biggest killers nationwide, heart disease, um, all stem from obesity. Uh, if you look at COVID-19 deaths, about 60% of people who actually passed away from it had comorbid con conditions such as heart disease, hypertension, obesity. So trying to prevent those chronic conditions from occurring is the, the most powerful tool you can use to prevent disease. So the LeanMD program incorporates all those factors into a really organized system that gets great results. So we're looking into um, starting a, a practice that where we can offer that program to patients and just really get people healthy from the inside out. Yeah, that's great. It's kind of like a whole, like a holistic approach of um, a little bit of everything. So not just addressing the issue, but solving it before the issue forms almost is what it sounds exactly. like. That's what I'm really mm -hmm. passionate about. So that's, that's yeah. something I'm always working on with my patients. Mm -hmm. I like that. Yeah. Cause it is a lifestyle. You can't just, you know, take medicine and expect it to heal if you don't change what you're doing. That's creating that problem. <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely. And people definitely should be educated on that. I think medicine is moving towards incorporating that into mainstream practice, but we've still got a long way to go. And, you know, I, I had a mainstream medical education. I did all my integrative training basically on my own outside of my formalized medical education, because that's what I believe in. Um, but there's really very little taught about nutrition or exercise or alternatives to pharmaceutical drugs in most medical school programs. And that's, that's uh, you know, it's sad. It's something that's lacking in medical education. So hopefully we can start to change that moving forward. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. I think it's something that um, as consumers we're demanding too, that, you know, we're starting to kind of wise up to um, – yeah, not just treating the problem, but yeah, but really fixing it and living that healthy lifestyle so we don't even have to worry about those problems. Right. Um, so I know you're passionate about, you know, overall wellness, nutrition, diet, all of that. Is there a specific event or experience that kind of led you to where you are today? I wouldn't say there's a specific event. I think one of the factors is 
so I'm of Indian ethnicity. So from a very young age, I was always exposed to a lot of herbal remedies using herbs and spices and plants. Um, I had Ayurvedic and homeopathic doctors in my family. I remember when my grandparents used to come visit us from India, they would always bring all these um, Ayurvedic remedies. So I think that's just always been a part of my awareness, um, as well as the importance of spirituality in health and wellness. Because if you know, if you can get your your mind, spirit, consciousness, whatever you believe in, into a place of, of wellness, that's going to manifest physically. So I think it was just kind of all over how I was raised that influenced how I ended up practicing medicine once I got my degree. Mm -hmm. I think Ayurvedic is so interesting. I think that could be another episode in itself too. <laughs> so maybe we'll have to schedule two more now. <laughs> it is fascinating. I, I'm certainly not an expert in Ayurvedic medicine, um, but it is a very holistic approach. And I think that's the way we need to look at it. There's so many ancient traditions, Ayurvedic medicine, homeopathic, Chinese medicine, that all incorporate the body's energy along with herbs and medications. So I think we have to look at that ancient wisdom and say, well, if we're only looking at the physical body, we're, we're missing the whole picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that kind of brings me to um, my training in yoga where, yeah, we did, you know, like the actual classes, the different movements, but then also studying, you know, what is yoga? It's the whole mindset. It's yeah, it's kind of comes hand in hand. Yes, I love it. It's such a such a healthy practice to have. Mm -hmm. So I know you mentioned you're you're working on incorporating lean MD into your practice. So what are some of your other short term and long term goals to help improve wellness in women's lives? Um, part of it is making functional and integrative medicine affordable and available. Um, I think. Unfortunately, a lot of functional doctors are cash only, which can be prohibitive for patients. So the, the practice that I'm at now, we actually accept insurance. So that's something that I feel really good about because now we can have people coming in uh, and get you know, for their annual exam and get a more thorough workup, looking at vitamin D and B12 and inflammatory markers, as opposed to um, your traditional annual where it's very basic blood work and there isn't really any talk about um, lifestyle and nutritional factors. So just making it more available to people is, is a priority of mine. Yeah, I really like that. Yeah, I have seen that is kind of a hindrance if, yeah, it's not covered by insurance because it can end up costing you more if it is only cash-based, unfortunately. So yeah, yeah, and a lot of times people won't resort to it unless they're really, really sick and really desperate. And, you know, we have primary care patients coming in, but we also have patients who have seen so many doctors and have not found any solutions and now they're desperate. So I think that's what a lot of the functional medicine doctors get is um, people who've tried everything and nothing's worked. So now they're, they feel like they have no choice but to do a cash-based practice. But if we can catch them earlier in the process, we can prevent a lot of these diseases from progressing so far. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a great point, actually. Mm -hmm. So what does wellness mean to you? Wellness, I think, is just being in a state of congruence, your your mind, your spirit, your body, all being in a, in a state of harmony. And there's a lot of factors that go into that, most of which we've talked about already, some spirituality, um, 
spending your time doing things that feel good to you, that, that nourish you, finding a purpose, um, definitely dedicating time and money into eating the right foods. Unfortunately, the, the wrong foods are very cheap. But, and if you look at what Americans spend on food, we spend so much less on food compared to other countries. The standard American diet is really sad. Um, so I think prioritizing your health by, by eating the right foods, taking the time to exercise and do some yoga or meditation, whatever appeals to you as far as stress management, all of that is necessary for holistic wellness. Mm -hmm. That's interesting about as Americans that we spend less on food, you think you'd be opposite. But yeah, I suppose if it's not quality, it's more cheap processed items. But yeah, encouraging people to shop local, go to your farmer's market, shop the perimeter, they always say, instead of down the center aisles so you get the fresh items. So Exactly. Think about how cheap fast food is. I mean, factory farming is so much more prevalent in America compared to other developed nations, you know, compared to the EU, for example. Um, we just have these mass factory farms that have brought our food prices down really low, but it's having terrible effects on our health. Um, mm -hmm. you know, heart disease, diabetes, all of these diseases are skyrocketing and it's 100% due to diet. Don't they say too that 80% of your wellness, your fitness is actually um, diet and only 20% is based on exercise? Or are those numbers off? <laughs> I've heard that specifically in regards to weight loss, like you know, trying to lose belly fat. I've I've heard that 80 percent is diet, and you know, that more twenty percent is exercise. Mm -hmm. I don't know exactly if that's true, but I think that it's a pretty good rule of thumb to follow. Yeah, it's really interesting if you think about it, and then maybe even just keeping a food diary or journal of what you're eating every day. You might not even realize. I know I saw a friend; she did a post on Instagram where she's like making sure you're drinking enough water because, you know, especially during COVID, you're maybe inside more, you're, you know, working from home now, you grab food because you're bored, but maybe you're just needing water instead. So kind of things like that can really help too. Absolutely. If you're having a snack craving, try drinking some water first because you probably don't need to be snacking between meals. If you're eating a meal, that's a healthy proportion of, you know, healthy fat, some protein, some good starch from like plant-based starches, that should keep you full until your next meal. And the more intermittent fasting you can do, that's also really beneficial for blood sugar regulation, insulin levels. So I'm a big fan of intermittent fasting as well. Okay. And do you do 12-hour or 16-hour blocks of time that you don't eat? I do 16-hour myself, but I think 12-hour mm -hmm. is a good place to start if you've never done it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah, even if you, you know, say stop eating at 7 p.m. and then wait until breakfast the next morning, that's good too. So yeah, definitely. it's really not hard. I mean, right now things are, things have been a little slower, which has been nice. You know, I haven't had to commute, so I've been able to just wake up and um, I do my kundalini yoga in the morning. And when I'm doing that, I'm not even thinking about food and that's a good hour. So by the time I, I start thinking about food, it's, it's, all, it's easy to make that 16-hour window. Yeah, if you don't do any late night snacking and yeah. And Kundalini, that's with the the heavy breath kind of breathing exercises, correct? Yeah, Kundalini is a is a form of yoga. I like to think of it as like a moving meditation. So it's actually a lot of core work. It's a great workout, but it's it's activating the energy centers in your body um, through meditation and breath work and 
I love it. <laughs> I highly recommend therapy. That's really great. And back to like diet nutrition, do you are you in favor of like a well balance, like with you know healthy, you know fish and things like that, or you tend to be more plant based? So I I personally am not a vegetarian, but I do think most Americans are eating way too much meat. You don't need to be eating animal protein with every meal. You don't even need it every day. If you're eating red meat two or three times a week, that should be your maximum for red meat. Um, okay. I think adding in wild caught fish, wild caught seafood is really helpful to reduce your red meat and chicken consumption. But ultimately, 70% of your meal should be vegetables. So I think that's the main issue is that we're not getting enough vegetables with the standard American diet. So I really like helping my patients get creative with adding more vegetables into their meals. A lot of people are like 10 servings of fruits and vegetables. How am I supposed to do that? But there's look at all the different vegetables that are out there. There's it's easy. You could just, we have um, something called an air fryer, which is awesome. And you can just chop up like sweet potatoes, turnips, Brussels sprouts, cauliflower, cabbage, and just like basically put in the air fryer with some olive oil, um, salt and pepper. And it comes out so good. And it, it, you can add so many vegetables into each meal by doing kind of a roast like that. Hmm. Um, so there's, yeah, there's a lot of ideas to, to get more vegetables into your plate, but I, I think that that's really what's missing in what, in most people's diets. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, yeah. Air fry. I've heard a lot about those. I do not have one. I just usually just do the traditional roasting in the oven, but probably yeah. especially in the summertime, that sounds easier because then you're not heating up your whole place with the oven. So. Yeah, that is one of the advantages of it. And it probably takes less time because it's smaller, but it works just fine in the oven as well. Very great. Yeah. And I, I tend to be more plant-based myself, but I think, yeah, well-balanced, getting those greens in, yeah, more produce being available, especially local, which is great too. So yes, we'll support your local farmers. Yes. I definitely miss the Boulder Farmers Market, I will say. <laughs> yeah. I'm excited for those to open back up. And I heard that they were deemed as essential, at least some of them, which is good because they are essential. It's food. Yeah. Essential. Yeah. It's like an outdoor grocery store. Definitely. So um, I'll have to schedule a road trip out to Denver very soon, I think. And I'll bring protein bites. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love protein bites. Those are delicious. I remember you brought that last time. I did. Yes. Yep. My little hiking snack. Um, perfect. So I know you did share quite a bit about what you do for your routine, but is there any other wellness ritual that you do daily or weekly that you'd encourage listeners to do as well? Um, yeah, the Kundalini has become my favorite recently. I think especially with not being able to go to the gym, I've had to get more creative. I mean, I've always gone to the gym on a very regular basis, taking all different kinds of classes. High intensity interval training is really effective for, for weight loss. Um, there's a lot of studies that show that bringing your heart rate up and then bringing it down the way you do with high intensity interval training is more effective than keeping it, um, high steady the whole time, the way you do with long run, for example. So I think incorporating a good mix of, of weight training with also some restorative work like yoga is, is really important. You don't want to be stressing your body. Um, you know, I see a lot of marathon runners and um, other intense athletes that 
kind of once they stop training or even during training, it it can really affect your hormones. You know, it's a lot of stress on the body to be running so much and it can Mm -hmm. take thyroid function or, or, you know, menstrual cycle, things like that. So I think that moderation is really important with exercise. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So are there any books or podcasts that you'd recommend? Yeah, I I read a lot of functional medicine books, a lot of um, spiritual books. Um, As far as like meditation, spirituality, I really like Dr. Joe Dispenza. He has several books, one one called Becoming Supernatural that I read that was really inspiring. Um, From a nutrition standpoint, I think Dr. Gundry, um, Dr. Stephen Gundry, he has the... um, the plant paradox. That's a really interesting one to understand. Basically he talks a lot about autoimmunity and lectins and kind of making smarter food choices. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Like lectins meaning beans, correct? Or is that in more shade, nightshade plants? Le- both. <laughs> All of the above is correct. So okay. <laughs> are, are compounds that are in plants such as beans, legumes, nightshades, those are those tend to be higher sources of lectins. Gluten is very high in lectins and they're basically compounds that the plant makes to prevent um, predators from eating it. And so they're bad mm-hmm. for the predator. So when we eat those lectins, it can have adverse effects on our gut lining, things like that. So um, the plant paradox explains that really well. So that's one I would recommend. And then the whole 30 is a great diet to follow. It has a lot of recipes overall. Mm-hmm. Whole 30. Perfect. So what is your personal mantra or theme song that gets you into a good state of mind to start your day or redirects your mindset to a good place? I don't know that I have a personal mantra or theme song. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I love the song Imagine by John Lennon. I've always loved that song, but I wouldn't say I, I listen to it every day or anything like that, but I, I've always found it really inspiring. That's good. Yeah, just a song that kind of, you know, brings up your mood. And yeah, that's a great one. So how can listeners reach you? Once I have the information for the Lean MD program, I'll be happy to share that as well. Yeah, and I'll definitely be updating the link when you have um, that business started. And yeah, go from there. So that would be like, great your time today and sharing all of this great information for everybody, especially during COVID. So a lot of great tips here for listeners. So thank you again. And thanks everybody for listening. You're welcome. Thanks for having me on Stephanie.